Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and a former <laughs> heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Welcome into a bonus edition of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland, and on this episode, we're going to be joined by former Razorback All-American linebacker Sam Olajibutu. Before we get into that, I want to remind you guys, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, we are there. And while you're there, please be sure and leave a written review. And also, before we get started, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, the NBA NHL and MLB all are in full swing and our partners at bet online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures and props for you to bet on. And there's also an online casino as well. It never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And now, Sam, we'll get straight into it, man. I know you're uh, you're around Little Rock these days. You stayed in state after you had played your college ball in Fayetteville. And, and tell us a little yes, bit about uh, X-Hog Logistics, the company that you got going. X-Hog Logistics and moving. Um, what we do, we contract out with people. So if you want us to deliver your uh, furniture or appliances on a daily basis, we can do that. We can, you know, move houses, move commercial buildings, um, if you have a move, you know, just one move coming up, if you're moving from place to place, we can do that as well. Uh, we hire former athletes and, um, and young guys ready to, ready to roll. So we'll definitely get the job done and um, definitely competitive on price and just give us a chance that we can, we can definitely get the job done. Is that what you've been doing pretty much since you came? I know you, you stopped playing football and then you also coach for a little bit. Is that what you started up once you got back to Arkansas and got out into the working world? Well, uh, not right away. I did, like I said, I went off coaching a little bit in um, Kansas and Mississippi. Then I got back to Arkansas. Um, just did a couple of odds and end jobs at first. I started selling cars after that. And after I started selling cars, I kind of wanted to get off and do my own thing and uh, started a logistics and moving company and, uh, you know, just hit the ground running. And I know you grew up in LaGrange, Georgia. It's just a few minutes from the Alabama border. Did you start playing sports as a young kid, or was that something you got into as you got older? No, nah, man. I mean, I, I started playing sports 
at you know as young as I can remember um, in the neighborhood we playing football baseball basketball you know growing up you know I started playing organized football I think at eight years old so I mean I was you know been, been playing sports my whole life and I know football and wrestling I've heard that be talked about those were the two that you really excelled in no, you earned multiple player of the year awards in football, 170 tackles your senior year, and were the number one wrestler in your weight class. Before you started really looking at football, playing at the next level, was wrestling ever an option? Uh, well, wrestling kind of came after football. Um, wrestling, you know, that that's a tough sport. I mean, you got to be real, real dedicated and um, – you know, just just kind of a different kind of breed of animal, you know, to be a wrestler. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, I love wrestling, but I love football a little bit more. So it kind of kind of overtook that. Plus, that's my first love of football. So, you know, kind of kind of kind of pushed wrestling to the side after that. And I know that out of high school, you were a really highly rated linebacker, but but the Georgia Bulldogs didn't offer you. That was right around the time when Mark when uh, Mark Rick had started to he had just got hired and was really getting the program going. And when you realized that you were really good at football, that you could play at the next level and you were getting some SEC offers, was your ultimate goal at that time to be a Georgia Bulldog? Well, um, you know, growing up in Georgia, uh, like you said, I live on the Alabama line, so I'm like 25 minutes from Auburn. Uh, so, you know, one of those schools, you know, kind of, kind of one of those schools you grew up close to and everybody was a – kind of a fan, you know, you kind of want to play for. But honestly, uh, once I started playing and I just wanted to – I just kind of wanted to play on TV and just wanted to be in SEC. That was my biggest dream, you know, kind of growing up. I just wanted to play on TV whenever – wherever it was, I just wanted to play and, and, and uh, you know, have 50, 60, 80,000 fans just, you know, watching me play yelling. So, that was kind of me and my friends growing up. That was kind of our dream. And you hear stories all the time when coaches might be looking at film or a scout, whoever it may be, or they're seeing a game in person, scouting a different player, but then another player catches their eye. Now, I, I don't know if I have this completely correct, but I believe that was the case with you with Coach Markison, the offensive line coach. He It was basically at that time they saw you by accident, for lack of a better word, and because they, they, I believe they were scouting somebody else. I'll let you tell that story because, like I said, I'm not 100% sure that I have that on point, but I'll let you take it from here. Well, in high school, you know, we were we were pretty good. We were state champs my senior year. Uh, we probably had maybe maybe seven or eight, you know, prospects, Division One prospects on my on my team, you know, at that point. So, I mean, we had a uh, we had a safety go to Georgia. That you know, me and him were 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 real good friends, childhood friends growing up with, and I think you know he was he was a five star recruit coming out, and um, Olalu he kind of got hurt a little bit, and, and uh, he played a little bit at Georgia, but kind of got hurt in his career and didn't really get to play much. But um, I, you know, a lot of schools were kind of you know looking at him, and then right from the start, he was a awesome athlete and he was a beast on the field, and uh, you know he was getting a lot of lot of looks. And, you know, we had running backs and quarterbacks you know quarterback went to South Carolina Blake Mitchell um you know we had a running back go to Florida so I mean you know coaches were coming in and looking at all those guys and uh luckily I was you know could could flash on on screen and kind of catch somebody's eye at that point 
Well, and we could do an entire podcast over Houston Nut stories, whether it be from players or what fans have seen. We've actually had Coach Nut on for an interview. That was one of my favorite ones I've ever done. As far as your first impression of him, whether it was on campus or over the phone, how, well, how did that go down? I'm sure you've got quite an impression of him. <laughs> over the phone, man, over the phone. He called me. i never forget it. It was a Saturday morning, and, uh, you know, I, I got a phone call, and it was Coach Nutt, but I was listening. I, I was I was listening to him talking. His voice was kind of different, and you know, initially I thought it was one of my friends just playing, doing like a prank call or something. So I was just kind of listening to him, but I was waiting to kind of see who you know who it was playing on the phone at the same time. So um, you know, I, 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 you know, I just kept listening and listening. I was like, hey, maybe this is Coach Nut, you know, the real nuts. So I just went crazy. I, you know, just start, you know, just started. Um, you know, looking up everything Arkansas, and, and 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 after that, man, I was just everything. I was just crazy. I was a hog for real after he called me. And there were some tough times during, especially your early years in Fayetteville, for you personally. Some injuries, back to back losing seasons. But your junior your junior year in two thousand five, you really came on the scene, and in two thousand six, really exploded. Everybody, I think, really after two thousand five, a lot of people knew who you were, but especially your senior year. And it's no secret that there was a lot of drama that, that was going on, at least from a, what the media was was announcing was going on uh, within you guys' locker room, of course, with Gus Malzahn coming in, the Springdale Five, all of those heralded players. There's still rumors to this day that still circulate. But overall, in the big picture, do you feel like you guys were able to look past the outside noise? I mean, it's clear you did because you got to 10 wins. But were you able to look past the outside noise and just really come together, and that's why you guys were – able to get as far as you did. Yeah, I think so, man. I think once we got – after we got rolling, um, you know, we were kind of able to look past the outside noise probably after, you know, after the USC game. And, you know, we kind of um, – you know, everybody came together and, and just got on the same page. And, you know, practice started going well. And, you know, and, um, you know, everybody just – you know, I mean, I, that's the year – you know, a lot of people on the team, we just started hanging out, hanging out together as a group of friends. And, you know, the camaraderie and the fellowship on the team was just amazing. And we were just, I mean, we were, you know, and it showed on the field. Yeah, he's, after the – so in, in 2005 and 2006, you, you guys – I know you actually opened up in 2006 and then went there for, like, game two and uh, during the 2005 season – but you go go right. past that game, and then you lose, and you, you name Mitch Mustaine, the starting quarterback. He goes on an 8 nothing run as a starter. You guys beat Alabama last time that the Razorbacks have beaten Alabama. And since 2000, so it was, it was that day in 2006. The next week you go on the road, beat number two Auburn. Was that about when you realized maybe, wow, we just beaten two really quality teams? And now, look, Alabama might not have been Alabama – that they are today, but it's still, it's, it's still them. And it's, it's shown how hard it is to beat them, but you, you're basically, you're the Alabama state champs that year <laughs> and, <laughs> as the fans would put it. And so right. after you guys go to Auburn and just destroy them on the road, I, I feel like that was probably when you were like, man, we've really got something going here. Yeah. 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 After that, I mean, that week, like I said, we had a great week of practice, man. Everybody was focused, flying around the ball. And we just, I mean, we knew we were just going to go down there and, and, you know, if we didn't win, we were going to give them, 
it was gonna be a it was gonna be a good game. So we knew we were, we were ready, and um, and uh, we were confident. So I mean, we 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 were ready to win. We knew we were gonna win. Uh, we knew we were gonna play good. So you know, after we went down there and and, and after that game. They were number two in the country. So after that, it just our confidence shot through the roof. Practice just kept building, building, got better, got better, got better. And, you know, we we took it, took us on through the season, 10-win season. And it, it didn't end the way that we had wanted it to, but still just a phenomenal season overall. Yeah. And you look back at your Razorback career, your fourth all-time in history for tackles, one of 17 players in school history to have over 300 tackles two-time All-SEC, named a multiple-player watch list. When you boil down your entire career, whether it be – I mean, you're without question uh, one of the most decorated linebackers in school history. What was your favorite moment as a hog? I, I can imagine, you know, just like we've, we usually hear from athletes, just like you guys all are, pretty humble. You always give the, the, team, the team awards and, and the things that you remember most about that. But individually, what would say you, was your biggest accomplishment, whether it be on or off the field in college? <laughs> Well, I mean, the, um, you know, the finalists for the awards, that's nice. But, I mean, probably I would say just my biggest accomplishment that I would say what I would think was um, definitely being named All-SEC first team by the coaches. And, um, you know, we bring up, you know, in high school that, you know, uh, the Georgia coach, Looked over me. I think that week we the week we played them. I think it was in 06, maybe. And uh, Mark Ritt, he had an article in the paper. He was, you know, he, he acknowledged me and said, you know, I was one of the best defenders they were going to face all year. So that kind of, you know, kind of made me feel a little bit better <laughs> that uh, you know, at least he, at least he, you know, acknowledged that he kind of looked over me. So you know, that 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 kind of made me feel a little better right there. Well, and another coach that was always very complimentary of you was your defensive coordinator, Reggie Herring. What was it like? And he was about as intensive a guy as I've ever seen. And I, and I, I was never even in practice with him. But Dave Womack seemed like he was a little bit more laid back and chill, at least more quiet. I actually have met Dave Womack. Very quiet guy. Um, very, very well-spoken, very nice. But seems way more laid back than, than what Reggie Herring would be. To talk about yeah. the difference of those two guys. Yeah, Coach Womack, Dave Womack, he can get fired up, but, it, you know, it'll take him a little bit more to get fired up. I mean, Coach Heron, <laughs> Reggie, I mean, he was fired up all the time. He was on – that was his um, default, was was fired up and, you know, just ready to get after it. Uh, and I think the schemes were a little different. Um, the, the scheme that Coach Heron brought in, you know, was more fitting my style. Um, I mean, I love Coach he, he came in and, um, you know, he, he talked to us and, he, you know, we had some – it was a little rough between us, you know, from the from the start. But, you know, we we, 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 we were, you know, a match made in heaven. You know, I'm glad Coach, Coach Nett brought him in. And, um, you know, he kind of changed my career when he, when he came in. Yeah, you guys – I mean, I, I was looking <laughs> over when I was preparing for our, our chat, I was looking over just the guys obviously – you know, Jamal Anderson, a wide receiver coming into college, turns out to be the eighth overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons, was an all-conference defensive end. The defensive line for you guys with him wow. and Keith Jackson Jr., 
Wasn't Mar- Marcus Harrison was also there. Harrison, Yourself Jackson, at linebacker, Chris Houston yeah, back yeah, there in the yeah. defensive backfield. I'm probably missing him. Antoine couple. Robinson. Antoine Robinson. Yeah. yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that was about an all Little Rock, just about defensive line. Because you look at, uh, I think Robinson yeah, was from yeah. Central, and yeah. then uh, Anderson was from Parkview, and I want to say was Keith, Keith Jackson was from somewhere in Little Rock. Um, 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 and then I think. Uh, McClellan. So McClellan. he was McClellan, McClellan. and Robinson. I would say Robinson. I think he said was central, but I feel like one of those guys was Mills. But either way, it was As crazy Harrison that went to yeah Harrison went to Harrison went to Mills. All those guys across the defensive <laughs> line were all from the exact same city. It's just uh, yeah, twenty fourth in the country. They were studs. They were studs across that defensive line. They they did a great job of keeping me clean and you know letting me roam around and make tackles. Yeah. They were they were studs on the defensive line. Uh, yeah, uh, Antoine Robinson, Keith Jackson. Whew. Yeah, those guys were. And, 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 you know, Jamal and Marcus, they were on the plate in the next level for, for a few years. So, yeah, they, they were studs. Well, and speaking of the next level, so after <laughs> your senior year, you ended up signing with – you went undrafted and signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there, I know that you weren't in with Tampa Bay for very long, but – I did want to ask you, I asked you about your impression of Coach Nutt. What was it like playing for Coach Gruden? That's another guy that is – he is, everyone is doing impressions of him constantly, so I, I got to know yours. Yeah, he was fired up, man. I, I like Coach – I love Coach Gruden too, man. He was, he was a fiery cat. I mean, call him Chucky. He was, he was a fiery cat. He was more of an offensive guy uh, when I was there. But, yeah, he is now still. But he was, he was a, more on the offensive side. He was a fiery guy, and, and, and he, he can get you fired up, too. And so after you played with the – you spent a year in, in uh, Canada after the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a year in, yeah, I was a year in Tampa and a year in Canada. And so how was that, Trent? You know, you grew up in the South. You went – you're from Georgia, played played your college ball in Arkansas. You're used to all this hot weather. What what kind of change was that like going all to – when you, when you get up there and it's 30 below – and, and, you know, with the wind chill and it's snowing before uh, Halloween, I mean, you got like five feet of snow on the ground. I mean, you just got to get used to it and, and, and stay indoors and bundle up. <laughs> and uh, so we'll close out here and um, I want to talk about your coaching career. So uh, you mentioned that you had coached in the, in the JUCO ranks and you coached Martrell Spate, one of the, last great yes, linebackers that we've had within the last six, seven years. Actually, Martrell has become a pretty good friend of mine. We actually had him on the podcast, I believe, in February. And uh, awesome. we, he and I have stayed in touch. We're, we're from the same town and everything. So, really, really like Martrell a lot, man. He's a he's North Little Rock. Or? Uh, so, I'm actually from Sherwood, in which Sherwood. He is for, he's from the North Little Rock, Sherwood area. So, okay. we, we grew up pretty much, in the, and his, yeah. his family has yeah. uh, Bistro's, yeah. the, the restaurant here in Sherwood. So, Yes, yeah, we've uh, we, we've town. stayed in touch on there, but and it was Hutchinson that you coached him, right? That was one of the schools that, that last chance you Coffeeville, Coffeeville, Coffeeville. Okay, so for, I, I was thinking for some reason he went to Hutch, but I think that was actually where our now linebacker coach was. So what what was the JUCO ranks, man? Like you know, we was last chance you a good depiction of it, or at least a little bit, or was it kind of? Do you feel it was off? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's right on. I mean, JUCO is, is sort of like another high school, you know, kind of like a, um, <clears throat> maybe like a 3A, <laughs> like a 
three to four a high school. But I mean, it's 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 good for the players. It was definitely good for Montreal State. I mean, he that's one of the hardest working kids I ever seen in my life. Like just from playing days and coaching days, he he. I mean, everybody else was hard, and I mean, you got to have a dedication and a work ethic like 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 Spade had. So he even try to make it in JUCO, man, because you got all the cards stacked against you. I mean, Spade was, you know, everybody was going out party, and he was in, in a, doing drills at night, Saturday nights, and 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 you know, working out by himself. I mean, he was uh, he worked himself into a player. You know, he worked himself into an NFL linebacker, D1 linebacker, than NFL linebacker, you know. So, to go the JUCO route, I mean, it's good for people, but you got to have your head on straight and you got to know what you're there for. And, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, you, you know, you got to use it as your last chance. Definitely. And uh, one final question I have for you. <laughs> talked about the beginning, your your company, X-Hog Logistics, that you've now got and you've stayed in, in Little Rock in the central Arkansas area. What is it that, that kept you in Arkansas as opposed to, you know, you grow up in Georgia your whole life. What was it that, that kept you in this state that made you want to stay here? Well, I mean, I, it kind of grew on me. I, I left, um, like I said, I left school and I came back and uh, my wife's from here. She's from Little Rock. So, uh, you know, came back, wanted to get close to her. And uh, I mean, I just saw uh, it's a great state and I just saw, you know, opportunity here and, um, you know, I just wanted to come here and, and you know, and uh, root for my hogs and, and, and I want to be a, be, a, be a Razorback. Actually, I lied. I got one. Speaking of the Razorback football team, I, I wanted to ask you about the new coaching staff that we've got. Now, as bad as this team has been over the last two, three years, defense has been just historically bad. I know as a former player that played at such a high level and played on defenses that played at such a high level, that's really tough to see. What do you think of what Coach Sam Pittman has done so far? Obviously, never coached a game, hardly even coached any practices. But what he and, and Coach Barry Odom bring to the table on defense? First of all, yeah. First of all, I love the recruiting. I, I love. I, they went down to my hometown and got a defensive lineman uh, from Troop, Troop High School from Lagrange, Georgia. So, I mean, I love the recruiting they're doing. They're you know they're, they're leaving the state. They're getting the guys, the, the best guys from the state, and they're leaving the state and not scared to go down to Georgia and you know, some of these Louisiana, some of these places and, and get players. Um, the, the main thing that I think is going to be the difference that we're going to see is, uh, I mean, coaches are going to have more prepared than they were last year. I mean, I think that's they, – they just didn't look prepared, you know, on defense, offense. They just – you know, they just didn't look prepared. So, I mean, I definitely, you know, I definitely think with his expertise and his uh, background, he'll definitely have them prepared and ready to go and at least playing – down football. Well, Sam, I really appreciate you hopping on with us, man. I know you've got an extremely busy schedule, um, as we all do, but uh, man, it was, it was truly an honor to hear your story. You were one of my favorite players. I remember Thank back in high school, Thank and uh, you. You know, it was an honor to watch you play and, and to chat with you, and I uh, hope to catch up with you sometime down the road, man. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, man. Go off. Well, that'll do it for this bonus episode. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. For Sam Alajabutu, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.